morning we continue our series, Pop Goes the Bible. We have been spending uh, a few weeks here um, looking at how pop culture interacts with the Bible, how music and movies and other pop culture icons um, connect, whether they like it or not, to Scripture. And so this morning we're going to be in Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3, Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you just didn't know how to quite express your emotions? A moment in your life of great turmoil, a moment in your life of great awe, a moment in your life of great mystery, a moment where you just really couldn't well express how you were doing in that moment. It's part of the human experience is that we run into these moments. Some of them are very good. Some of them are oftentimes very, very bad. Where we find ourselves in a place where we can't quite put our finger on how we're feeling and how we're supposed to deal with this moment. And maybe you're in that moment right now. Maybe you came into church this morning and you're just, you're just hoping that you can come out of here with something. You're just maybe hanging on by one little inch this morning. Maybe you've got your Sunday best on. You came in, said hello. Somebody asked how you were doing and you said you were fine, but maybe you're not. That's what I want to talk to you this morning. And whether you're in that moment right now or whether you're going to be in that moment or you just came out of that moment, this is something that we all know. We are going to come against moments in our lives where we simply can't express our situation. And here's the encouragement for you. When you don't have the words to fully express your situation, the Bible can help. The Bible can help. The Bible will help. One of the beautiful things about the Bible is that it comes out of the human experience. Written by human hands, inspired by God. And so it embraces all the good, the bad, and the ugly about the human experience. And oftentimes, it can put words into moments that we don't even have words for. And one of the greatest places to do that is here in the book of Psalms. 
Um, many of you that I've done any sort of pastoral counseling, especially in moments of grief and sorrow, I will say something to this nature. I will say, you should use the book of Psalms as your words when you don't have any words. See, today we're going to look at Psalm 40. Psalm 40. And, and maybe um, as I was reading these words, you thought, I know a song with those words. It goes like this. I waited patiently on the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He lifts me up out of the pit, out of the mire and the clay. And I will sing, sing a new song. Anybody know this? Who sings that song? Anybody? You too. That's right. You too. So this morning, we want to talk about this. One of the most influential bands in modern pop culture, they recognize the brilliance in one of the most influential songwriters of biblical times when they wrote their song aptly named 40. So as the story goes, U2, one of the greatest bands of all time, they've traveled the world, they have been hugely successful, multi-platinum albums, they have won award after award after award, they've given themselves to helping with poverty and hunger and AIDS in Africa. Bono and Edge have given themselves over to being these famous icons of modern history. And they looked at the Psalm of David, and as the story goes, they were sitting in their studio, and they had 40 minutes left in their session. And they were sitting around trying to finish off their album called War. And they looked at each other and they thought, we need one more song. We've got 40 minutes left. What are we going to do? Where are we going to find some inspiration? And Bono, I'm not sure if he said this, but this is what I think Bono said. Bono said, the Bible can help. He probably didn't say that, but... (laughs) But what he did do is he opened up his Bible... And he paged through and paged through and paged through until he came on these words out of Psalm 40. And he said, hey, let's use these words. If you know the album War, it's a tension-filled album. It's an album that embraces the beauty and uh, the horrific nature of life. And, And so they found this beautiful passage to, to tie together all the tension that they were feeling in that album and in that moment. And they came upon these three verses and pinned the song 40. And here's what Psalm 40 essentially teaches us. Psalm 40 essentially teaches us what to do when you're stuck in a pit. Teaches us what to do when you're stuck in a pit. Because David is the writer of this psalm. And David uh, was king of Israel at one point in his career. But before he became the king, he had some difficult times. Kills this giant. You heard this story? Only a boy named David. I'm doing a little singing today. Okay. And he hits the guy and the tumbling down. You know this song? Okay. Kills the giant. 
People say, man, that David guy, that, that little shepherd boy, he's kind of special. Guy named Samuel comes along, anoints his head with oil and says, hey, he's going to be the next king. Which made the current king kind of unhappy about the situation. And started um, this whole back and forth interaction between David um, and his enemies who didn't want him to become king. And what ended up happening was that David ended up being chased from hole to hole to hole, from cave to cave to cave, out on the mountainsides by the people that should have loved him, but they had become his enemies. And so David pens many of these psalms from inside a cave. You can almost, you almost see David sitting on a rock, right? I'm just trying to chisel out some verses to God because he's so frustrated with what is going on in this moment. God, I've been anointed. I killed a giant. I'm supposed to be king. Why am I stuck in a pit? Have you ever been stuck in a pit? Man, I've been stuck in a pit. I've had moments where I, I couldn't see ahead of me. I couldn't see behind me. I felt like the walls were, were caving in on me. And I bet you have too. See, um, pits, they, they feel damp and dark and cold. They feel like mire and clay and dirt and grime. And maybe you've been in a pit because of a decision that you made. I don't know. Maybe some decision you made inadvertently or on purpose led you to a moment where you were stuck in a pit, helpless and not knowing where to go. Maybe it was a moment in your life where someone else made a decision that stuck you in a pit. Maybe somebody intentionally or unintentionally made a decision that affected your life and stuck you in a pit. Maybe... It was something completely out of your control. The doctor called and said, hey, I've got bad news for you today. See, I'm convinced of this. At some point in your life, you will be stuck in a pit. If you haven't been, it's coming. I know you were like, I want some encouragement today. Sorry. Uh, Come next Sunday. We'll do something more fun, okay? Um, But I think we can draw from some keys in this song, in this passage, to help us endure these difficult times. So I want to, I want to, with our time together, spend uh, spend some time unpacking four key uh, ideas to enduring difficult times, to enduring being stuck in the pit. Number one, number one, it says this: I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me, and He heard my cry. Number one is wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Anybody in here love to wait? Raise your hand if you love to wait. You love to wait. If you're waiting to raise your hand, that's good. Okay? You love to wait so much. We don't love to wait, do we? I think this becomes harder and harder and harder in our day and age. I went to a conference uh, quite a few years back called Theology After Google. How great of a title of a conference is that, right? Right? And so we talked about technology's influence upon theology. And one of the arguments that a couple of the theologians there got into was, how fast can God move? And one of the theologians said, well, God is, he's faster than anything. He can move faster than the fastest internet, right? 
And, and there was this dialogue back and forth between these theologians because the one theologian said, no, 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 we need to wait on God. The other theologian said, no, we don't need to wait on God. We don't need to wait on God. We've got technology. We don't need to wait on God. And, and the more they got into this conversation, the more it became obvious that there was a wise person in the room and somebody who was just a little less wise. Right? A little less wise. See, waiting is hard, but it's something that is woven into the fabric of Scripture. Waiting on the Lord. It's harder and harder every day. Everything around us gets faster and faster. We feel like we should have answers at our fingertips. The reality is, theology after Google is quite complicated because we think God should work on our time instead of His time. But David begins by saying, wait on the Lord. Craig Rochelle wrote a new book. I encourage you to go out and get it. Um, Hope in the Dark. Um, He notes this. Moses waited 40 years in the desert before it was God's time to take him and the Israelites to the promised land. He notes this. Paul meets Jesus. He's converted and he knows that his calling is to go and preach the good news. And he knows it real deep within his heart. He goes, this is what I was made for. Paul goes, I'm made to preach. And 13 years later, he preaches his first sermon. Jesus, before he goes into his ministry, goes into the desert for 40 days and for 40 nights to fast and pray and be tempted by the devil. Jesus only did ministry for three years out of 33. Think about this. Think about this. He did 90% of his ministry in 10% of his life. Think about this. If it's good enough for Jesus, if it's good enough for Moses, if it's good enough for David, if it's good enough for these great, great heroes of faith, it's good enough for us. We need to wait on the Lord. See, it's, it's in waiting that our faith is built. Your faith is not built when you get what you want right now, right? Our faith is only built when we wait on God, when we don't know the answer, when we don't know what's coming, when we we don't have it in our hands. That is where faith is born. And is that easy? No, that is incredibly difficult. But waiting on God, it refines us. It helps us recognize our dependence on God. It shapes us. James, the brother of Jesus pens later that waiting even perfects us. And so number one, if you are stuck in a pit, I would encourage you to wait and wait and wait and wait on the Lord. Number two, be lifted up. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mire and the mud and the clay. Um, there's, a, there's a young man in the Bible, his name is Joseph, and he has this multi-technicolor coat. And you maybe have not seen, uh, read the story, but maybe you've seen the Elvis impersonation, uh, Joseph in the amazing technicolor dream coat. Um, but the story there, 
uh, is the story of a beloved son who is literally thrown into a pit by his own brothers. He's literally stuck in a pit. And the thing about stuck, getting stuck in a pit like Joseph was stuck in is that you can't lift yourself out of it. See, no, notice this, because uh, we want to be like, okay, I'll wait on the Lord and then I'll lift myself up. No, 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 listen. It says, he lifted me up out of the slimy pit. This past June in Thailand, uh, the wild boars soccer team. Have you heard this story? The wild boars soccer team, 12 boys and their coach, decided after practice they were going to go spelunking. Or, uh, for, for those of us who don't know what that word is, just exploring a cave, okay? And so they were, they were cruising around in this cave, checking it out, just having a grand old time. Their plan was just to explore this cave for about an hour or so, which sounded like a great idea until the monsoon rain started to fall. And as the monsoon rain started to fall, the cave started filling up. And what eventually ended up happening is that they got sealed inside of the cave. Twelve kids, one coach, several of them who couldn't swim at all. No air, no food. They had to lick the water off the stalactites in the cave because they were there for 14 days in the dark. And you can't barely imagine when two divers suddenly with headlamps on that 14th day came up out of the water and said, there they are. And what happened after that is, is quite incredible. At, at first, the story came out that the kids were able to kind of make their way out and, and swim their way out. Well, what later they found out was that that was not actually accurate. What actually happened was um, these kids had been in a dark cave living off of water from stalactites for 14 days. And so the, the rescue team decided, here's what we're going to do. We are going to um, help these kids by um, putting oxygen masks on them. We are going to sedate them, and we're going to haul them out of here. And they're going to haul them out through underground caves, underground water. They, they had spots in that cave that were only 15 inches wide that they were going to haul them back through. And one by one, they hauled every single kid and the coach out of the cave. And listen, those kids would not have survived on their own. And that coach would not have survived on their own if the rescue team had not come and lifted them out of the cave. And you cannot lift yourself out of this cave. You can't climb out of this pit. You are unable. You cannot save yourself. This is the Christian story. All boiled down. You can't save yourself, but there's somebody that can, and he's coming to rescue you. And so the second piece of this is that as you wait on God, you have this deep confidence that you are going to be lifted up instead of the American dream of lifting yourself up. You need God to lift you up. You need God to rescue you. Wait on the Lord. Be lifted up. Number three, stand firmly. Once you are lifted up, 
Once you are out of that pit, the encouragement would be then to stand firm. Abraham Lincoln once said it this way. Be sure to put your feet in the right place and then stand firm. It's pretty good advice from Abraham Lincoln. Okay? Make sure that your feet are in the right place and stand firm. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me, heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit of the mire and clay. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Um, this idea of, of standing firmly is uh, oftentimes a military a military uh, strategy. This is we are doing a pop culture here, right? So, so a little pop culture for you. Okay, there's a movie called The Patriot, where Mel Gibson uh, he plays an American, and, and 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 they're in the American Revolution, and those lousy Brits. No offense to the Brits and those people you're doing London ministry too. That's fantastic because apparently, according to that movie, they need it. Um, so, the Brits come over and they're trying to, you know bring back England to this new place and the revolutionary war is happening and Mel Gibson in this epic scene is losing and his troops are getting killed left and right and 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 just when all of the infantry is is running away and is scared Mel Gibson runs up he sees an American flag he grabs that American flag and he says hold the line stand firm and he runs to the top of this hill and he plants that American flag at the top of that hill. And, and the men draw courage. They turn around and they begin to fight back. And they win the battle because he stood firm. See, once you have been lifted up, once you've waited on God, then your job is to stand firm. Notice, standing firm isn't something that you have to be very um, active in. It's something that you just need to do. You don't need to advance. That's not what it says. It says you need to stand firm in the place that God has given to you. Another picture of this is found in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is a, a, a letter written to a church, much like us, in a town called Ephesus. Um, and Paul writes to them and says, Put on the full armor of God so that you may stand Firm against the attacks of the evil one. He says, stand firm. You don't need to fight the fight. In fact, if you go through the armor of God, and I don't have time to do this right now, but you can go do this later today. Most of the armor of God is defensive in nature. Other than the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that's the only offensive weapon that is listed in there. Everything else is to defend you so that you can stand firm because the reality is you don't need to fight the fight. It's already been fought for you. It's already been won for you. It's already been fought for you. You can't overcome the enemy. You can't get out of the pit. But there is one who can. He will come to rescue you if you wait upon him. And he will help you to stand firm. And once you've done those three things, he will allow you to sing, number four, a new song. Sing a new song. Yesterday, um, we spent the entire day with the worship team together. And we got this place of moonlight and um, we got to spend a beautiful day with John Zirkel who, uh, who heads up the Warren Miller Performing Arts Center 
And one of the great gifts that John Zirkel has is that he's fantastic at composition of music. And what we were tasked with doing yesterday was some professional development. We, from time to time, about once a year, we go and do something for us to grow as a team, to grow in our worship of God, and to um, refine our skills together. And so what John was doing with us was leading a make an album in a day effort. And so um, what we did, which was ambitious, I'll be honest with you, um, we went up there and we were able to record three songs by about 4.30. Um, we, we worked from about 9 a.m. till 4.30 and we were able to um, record three new songs. One of them is really good. The other two are like works in progress, but one of them's like really good, you know, like one of them's, one of them's really good. In fact, it's so good that we're going to use it in our Christmas series upcoming in November and December. It's that good. The, the grand anthem of that song proclaims that we will be redeemed. See, when you've waited on God and when you've been pulled out of the pit, And when your feet are standing firm, you know it naturally happens. You want to sing a new song. You want to tell how you've been redeemed. You want to tell about how you've been saved. You want to tell about what God has done for you. So I want to to encourage you to look forward to this new and incredible song that we're going to be singing um, upcoming soon. I'll end with this. Once you have waited on God, once you have been lifted up, once you have stood firmly, and once you have sang a new song, guess what? Um, Something's going to happen again. That's just, that's how life works. Right? uh, You got a little age in this room, you know. You, you look at like 30 years, you look at people like me, like me and you're like, if you only knew, <laughs> right? Because uh, we get pulled out of these pits and we stand on this new ground and we sing our new song and we think, oh, this is going pretty good until we fall into the next pit. And then we need to do it all over again, wait on God, be pulled out of the pit, stand on a firm ground and sing a new song. And then you know what? We fall into a pit again. And we fall into a pit, and we fall into a pit, and we fall into a pit. And there's a tension in this that I don't want to resolve for you this morning. Because they didn't do it in the song, and and to be quite honest, David doesn't do it in his psalms either. See, the tension-filled reality that's found in Psalm 6 as well as Psalm 13 is how long. As the story goes... um, you two got to the end uh, of writing this song and needed a chorus. And so they were flipping around in Psalms because they figured this has done good for us so far. And so they flipped around. They found Psalm 13 and Psalm 6. And two of the main phrases in those Psalms are how long? How long? Great theologians have said that we live in the now, but not yet. That um, in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we have been fully saved, fully redeemed, fully free from sin. And we live in, the, in that now. 
but we also live in the not yet. And there's a tension there that I don't want to resolve for you this morning. Because the victory has been given to us. Jesus has defeated death and sin. And we have a life forever to look forward to with him. And we have life now abundantly at our fingertips. But you will find yourself waking up someday asking the question, How long? How long? And my encouragement to you this morning is to turn to his work. To cry out to him. To listen for his voice. You too ends all of their concerts with the song 40. And so I thought it'd be kind of fun if we had the worship team come up here and lead us in that song. If you don't know it, that's okay. You can just close your eyes and pretend that you're in front of Bono and he's got these cool glasses on. And um, and I just would encourage you to enjoy this song. And more than that, if you're in a pit, make these words your words. Cry out to God, for he hears you. And he cares. Heavenly Father, we wait patiently on you. We cry out. We long to hear your voice. We admit, God, that we cannot save ourselves. We admit, God, that we, we are lost and need to be found. We are blind and we can't see. We are lame and we can't walk. And we need you to lift us up and and put our feet on firm ground. And God, there's some of us in the room right now. and, And maybe we look like we have it all together this morning. But inside, we're just stuck in a pit. So God, hear our cry this morning. Hear our prayer to you. May we join with the voice of David, the voices that have sung this song over and over again, God.